It's time once again for another episode of All That's Jazz, the podcast that explores everything in the world of jazz. And here now is your host, Alan Scott. Hello and welcome to another episode of All That's Jazz. Today, our guest is an acclaimed and an amazing jazz guitarist. His name is Graham Dechter. Graham has his third album out as of September as a leader, and it's on Capri Records. It's called Major Influence. Everything on there is arranged and written by Graham, except for one, one tune, and we'll get into that uh, in a little bit. But first and foremost, it is a distinct pleasure, Graham, to have you with us here on All That's Jazz. Oh, the pleasure's all mine, Alan. Thank you so much for having me. Let me begin by asking you about your association with Jeff Hamilton and John Clayton. Throughout your career, you've played with a number of very stellar, noteworthy music artists, and yet, it seems that Hamilton and Clayton have had the most impact on you. For the majority of my performing experiences uh, leading up to this, uh, this point, in terms of people I've been you know, very blessed to play with, I have to, I have to give credit, really, first and foremost, to Jeff Hamilton and John Clayton. Uh, because I, you know, I had a dream as a, as a young kid to play in their big band, the Clayton Hamilton Orchestra. Clayton Hamilton Jazz Orchestra, and uh, and without without that association, so many of the things that that I've been you know very fortunate to do, whether it's playing with people like Michael Bublé, uh, Iliani Elias, who I toured with for a couple of years, and uh, and just a, a slew of other people, it, it just wouldn't have been possible. So they really opened the doors for me in that regard. But maybe more importantly, uh, they they really showed me the way and how to you know, to play this music, you know, I've learned so much. I've learned probably more from them than I've learned from anyone about how to, how to be a musician in, in this context, you know, as a, as a jazz. So. It's, I think, just uh, an outstanding accomplishment that at the age of 19, you're already in the Hamilton and Clayton Jazz Orchestra. Yeah, uh, yeah, 19. So I was, I was studying at Eastman in Rochester, Eastman School of Music. Actually, one of the instructors at Eastman, who was my combo instructor, the great trumpet player, uh, uh, Clay Jenkins, uh, and great composer and, and arranger, and just a very unique improviser. He, I was studying there, and and he he was a guy who was, who was like at the very first rehearsal of the Clayton Hamilton and back in, God, the 80s. So... With him being there, I kind of had this thing where, yeah, I was studying the history of the music through all the classes. Uh, you know, uh, a really great teacher there, a uh, great educator uh, named Bill Dobbins was there, who was just an encyclopedia of of knowledge. So I was getting a lot of a lot of that input. But I, in the back of my mind, it was like, oh, you know, I still have this dream of playing with the big band. So on on a couple of my 
my breaks, like, you know, there was like a winter break. Uh, I, I, I got in contact with Jeff Hamilton and I kind of told him what I was working on. And, and I had a lot of questions for, for him uh, and John Clayton for that matter. But Jeff said, you know, hey, you have all these questions for me. Why don't you just come to my place in Glendale, to my music studio, and have a lesson with, with Christoph Ludi, the bassist in, in his trio at that time and in the Clayton Hamilton Orchestra. Why don't you just come and have a lesson with the two of us, play with us, and we'll give you the input you need. So suffice it to say, uh, <laughs> he had a lot of input and there was a lot of things I needed to work on. And I just, I made that my priority. So, you know, in the second semester of Eastman, my freshman year at Eastman, I went back and it, basically I worked on everything he told me to work on. And he, and he asked me, so, you know, what are some of your goals? Who do you want to play with? And that was, that's a big thing with Jeff and John, you know, with their students, they, they want to know, like, what do you want to do with music? And I said to him, well, I want to play with your band. So he said, learn the book. So that's basically what I did. I, I took his advice on what to work on musically and I learned the book and as luck would have it, uh, their guitarist at the time, Randy Napoleon, who's a, a good friend and a, an incredible guitarist who, uh, he played with Freddie Cole for many years and he, he had to go on the road with Michael Buble and they needed a guitar player. So I, you know, I'd done my homework and, and the timing was right. So I, uh, after one year at Eastman, I moved back to LA and after a few months I'd played my first gig with them and it was, it was surreal. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So, so yeah, that was a quite a, quite a formative time. And, uh, and quite exciting. Well, I would say so. And uh, to be associated with uh, the likes of uh, Jeff Hamilton and John Clayton uh, is, uh, I, I'm sure, not only a learning experience, but it, it really, I'm sure, made a deep impact and impression on you uh, musically, to your talent, etc. Oh, man, I, I it, it <laughs> there's really, I, I can't say enough about them and their influence on me. Uh, and to this day, still, you know, I, I, I'm still learning things from either just listening to them play, playing with them, talk, having conversations with them about music, even in, in just about life. You know, it, it's who you are off the bandstand really comes out on the bandstand and you, you can't really you play your personality. And that's one thing I, I've really learned from from those guys, you know, and uh, yeah, I'm. You know, very fortunate to to have have them in in my corner and to have had all the experiences I've had with them. Uh, so, where where do you think you fit in in terms of the jazz genre uh, with your style and your performance, uh, and also your direction or focus of music? Oh, that's a wow. That's a that's a difficult question for me to answer. You know, I I don't I don't even know <laughs> where where I fit in necessarily. I feel like I play music that I love to play. I have a certain uh, concept in terms of how I want to sound based off of people that I I grew up listening to, whether it be guitar players or horn players or piano players, etc. But but how do I fit in? You know, I'm not really sure. I I think I have a certain way of playing, and I think other musicians uh, click with that, you know, who I happen to play with. Uh, right now, I, I'm actually, I have my own trio that we're about to release our first record 
uh, in the coming year. Uh, and it's called the Lineage Trio, and it features the great bassist Alex Frank on bass, who's uh, a member of Tamir Handelman's trio, also is the music director for Jeff Goldblum, who, you know, is obviously a famous actor, but he also has a, a passion for jazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's he's played with him and a billion other people. And uh, Ryan Shaw on drums, who's a who's an incredible uh, drummer. Uh, he's he's one of Jeff he's one of Jeff Hamilton's proteges, and you know he's played with a lot of great people as well. He's on uh, the the last Michael Bublé album that we just talked about that I also recorded on. So you know with those guys we gravitate towards each other because we have similar uh interests in terms of, of who we love musically we 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 actually started that trio as a tribute to the pole winners trio you know the great trio with uh, barney kessel ray brown and shelly mann we originally just started playing their arrangements but after doing a couple shows like that we we thought to ourselves huh we have kind of a chemistry going on here why don't we try making our own arrangements and and that's sort of how that started so in terms of fitting in i i, I don't necessarily try to to fit into any sort of niche or anything like that i think i just i play the music i love to play and and if i if i do that at a high level and i try to other people will gravitate towards that and then we'll have you know the ability to make music together so and and that's very important to have kind of a a symbiosis in terms of who you're playing with like you can have you can have two great musicians but if they don't click together it's just it's just not going to work. So for me, I'm just I'm just trying to play the music I love at a very high level and and play it with people who kind of share a common love and feel the music in a similar way. I've been you know very fortunate to have that with Jeff and John, and now my two peers uh, and 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 a handful of other people. But in terms of you know my musical aspirations and where I want to go, uh, you know I. I really don't want to limit myself, you know. I this last record, major influence was all except for one tune, original compositions, and I think for me right now, where my mind is at uh, is is it's it's very much immersed in in composition, and and I'm not necessarily going to limit myself to you know composing for a quartet or a trio. I you know I'm thinking of. Because I, I grew up in an orchestral background. My dad's a, an orchestrator and an arranger, and he's and he's worked for you know some of the the biggest names you can think of: Barbara Streisand, Johnny Mathis, Jack Jones, all these people, and on countless movies. So I I grew up with orchestral music in my ears, and I originally wanted to do that to be an orchestral composer. So right now I've, I'm kind of thinking of ways to maybe combine what I've been doing for the last uh, 15 years or so within the jazz idiom with orchestral music or, you know, and I've, and I've actually been getting into other types of, of bands. Uh, there's this one band that's actually one of the major influences, <laughs> quote unquote, on, on the latest record called Knower that's led by uh, uh, incredible, two incredible musicians, Lewis Cole and Genevieve Artadi. And I've been getting really deep into their music uh, which is just, it's a combination, I don't even know how to classify it. It's a combination of like very deep, complex and rich harmonies mixed with funk and electronica and all these different things. And it's really inspiring to hear people take, you know, all these bits and pieces of, of musical history and make their own thing out of it. And, and yes, I guess if you had to typecast me, I, I'm a straight ahead jazz guitar player, but 
I also want to do other things and, and I don't necessarily want to put a label or genre to any of it. I just kind of want to dig a little bit deeper into, you know, what, what I'm hearing or what, you know, inspires me and then, and then, you know, make something of it. So I don't know if that's too vague of a, of an answer for you. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And it makes sense to, because just listening to major influence uh, through the album, it sounds very much like classical jazz uh, in, in the old sense. Like there is an old soul living within your young frame and somehow that has influenced and uh, manifested itself to the surface. Well, thank you. I, 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 uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the old soul thing, I mean, I, I guess, you know, I mean, for the most part, I've, I've listened to music that was, you know, and, and probably for the most part, uh, you know, before my time, you know, there's certainly, you know, people playing, uh, I guess wh whatever you want, might want to call it straight ahead jazz nowadays that I listen to quite, quite a bit, but, you know, growing up, it was, I mean, Wes Montgomery, Jim Hall, Oscar Peterson, Cannibal Adderley, Charlie Parker, Duke Ellington, Count Basie, Nat King Cole. I mean, uh, Thad Jones, Mel Lewis, Joe Henderson, Her you know, Herbie Hancock, the list goes on. Mm -hmm. And, and although Herbie's still around, but you know, a lot, I mean, most of the people I mentioned are no longer with us and their music was, you know, so much of it was made in fifties, sixties, uh, and so on. So I, yeah, you know, I just I think great music is is great music and it will stand the test of time. And if I kind of fall into something that was I guess innovated, you know, many many years ago, then at this point, then that's that's fine. You know, I just sort of I'm a product of what I've listened to. You know, well, this latest release again uh, called Major Influence, uh, which is on Capri Records, uh, came out in September, and it's being characterized as the reunion of your dream team for the rhythm section, uh, if that's a, a proper descriptive uh, for it. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I mean, they are really. I, I mean, I can't think of a of a. <laughs> well, I can't think of a rhythm section to, to better fit that title and that description. I mean, with with John and Jeff and Tamir, they're just. I mean, three of the greatest uh, solo artists and 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 band leaders in their own right, but the three of them together as, as a, as a, as a, as a support for what I'm doing. I mean, I mean, I don't even think of it, you know, as them backing me up or anything like that. I think of it as a collective group, uh, experience and, and discourse. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't think of any, anyone else that I would rather play, uh, the music that I, that I wrote for this album, you know, and, and for the last two albums before that, obviously. So, uh, yeah, I guess it is a, a reuniting <laughs> in a sense. Yeah. And, and you do obviously have a, a deep association and friendship with Jeff Hamilton because he produced this latest production or, or project for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Jeff, I, yeah, I, I mean, I have so much to, to be thankful for in terms of, Jeff's mentorship, his guidance, and you know, he really has become a very close friend, one of my biggest confidants, and he's, he's like almost like a father figure within music for me, and and that says a lot because my dad is I'm very close with my dad, but but Jeff has become like a, a second father in that in that sense, and yeah, you know, in terms of him producing this record, I 
I will say that on the on the first two, right on time and taking it there, my first two records with the quartet, he kind of had an unofficial. I I I went to him a lot for his his input, you know, in, in a way that you know one might go to a producer, and I think that's just the way he is, and John for that matter too. And with if projects, they have such a a vision for how the music should be in their mind, you know, that they're they're all they're always going to give their input in that regard. So I thought for major influence, you know, you've been kind of, <laughs> I guess, doing the, the backdoor producing thing for the last couple of records. Would you be interested in, you know, seeing this project from front to back, you know, seeing this through front to back? And I asked him to officially produce it to my great fortune agreed. And the first thing he said was, you know, Graham, I want this record to be your original compositions. You know, you've, you've focused a lot on getting your playing together in the past however many years. And let's let's focus on getting you, Graham Dector, the composer, out there. And let's let's really try and sharpen that set of tools and, and make a, a record that's predominantly that. If you don't mind, Graham, how about if we take a quick walk through the recording itself? Sure. And l- let me start first with the, the title of the album, major influence what's the basis for that in writing songs for this record i after all after all the songs were written the seven original compositions i i came to the realization that every single song was directly influenced by one or more of my musical heroes and i realized that oh i i wrote this song with this person in mind or i or i dedicated this song to this particular artist or whatever, you know, or, or a certain theme, a certain idea. And, and that's basically where the title comes from. It's heavily influenced by my heroes. And I don't think I consciously did that when I was writing. I think it, it came, it, it occurred to me after the fact. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's where, that's where I got that. That's what I was thinking about, or, or you know, so that that's basically it. Well, what about a, a tune like Orange Coals? What's the influence there? Well, okay, so... If you listen to the very the first uh, line of that tune, it's a riff. That's a line from, from a solo that Herb Ellis played on, on Oscar Peterson Trio's arrangement of Should I from the Live at the Concert Gabao recording with, with uh, Oscar, uh, Ray Brown, and Herb. But that was the introduction to Orange Coles. And then once, once I started uh, you know, creating the, you know, the melody, which is kind, it's kind of a riff, I kind of had this vibe that, that kind of was reminiscent of a recording that Herb Ellis might have done with like Jake Hanna and Ray Brown. 
uh, and, and that's just sort of, uh, I find, oh, that, that's clearly Herb Ellis. And then the bridge of the song was actually inspired by uh, one of my other musical heroes, George Coleman, who I was actually very fortunate to, to study with coming up as a youngster. And, and it's actually, uh, George is, was my dad's teacher in college as well, so there was that connection. So, uh, but the bridge is, is definitely influenced by George's approach to, to harmony and some of his lines and just his overall vibe. So that's, you know, that's where it comes from. Her, Herb Ellis's nickname was Orange because he had red hair <laughs> and under a certain light, you know, they had this like orange tint. And, and, uh, and as I say, when I announce this song to audiences, you know, for anyone who knows George Coleman's playing, it's, it's burning. Burning like hot coals, so therefore orange coals. So that's where the, <laughs> the title comes from. It's a little, a little play on words, kind of goofy. But, but yeah, that's, that's basically just think, little things like that. It's not like I have some major thought process behind it. It's just I start playing a riff, and then it's like, ah, I think, yeah, that, that's kind of what that's inspired by. And then it just kind of goes from there. Well, it's it's a great tune, and uh, I was Thank curious you. the most about just that title. There are a couple of others too, but uh, that makes sense, uh, and that's a delightful story, by the way, of uh, the reference to uh, Coleman and, uh, of course, Herb Ellis. And there is the track called Major Influence, but then there's the Minor Influence. What's the Minor Influence? Well, <laughs> Minor Influence, so... The, the influence is major, but the key is minor. <laughs> so, so therefore, minor influence. It was uh, a song that I wrote kind of first and foremost with the the vibe of Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers in mind. You know, just it has that kind of like big, heavy beat that you would associate with Art Blakey. And it has that kind of like minor, is, is a minor key and it has, has a little bit of an element of like moaning, a very famous recording that, that Art did with the, with the Messengers. And mm -hmm. there's, you know, I've... Was listening to a lot of Lee Morgan at the time, who was you know in on that recording, but also just to certain recordings of his. There's a song called "Party Time" off of uh, the album "The Procrastinator" that I was listening to a lot when I when I wrote that. And there is another song that kind of is referenced in that in Minor Influence that that was written by Larry Goldings called "Mixed Message." Uh, and there's a, if if you listen to that song, you'll you'll sort of hear how there's a little little nod of the hat or tip of the hat to that song. So yeah, I guess the minor really just comes from from the key center. But there's definitely major influences in there, you know, of you know, of which I mentioned a few. So what about Moonathology? Oh, that's funny. So I was 
you know, referring back to that to the band Knower, which has become you know probably my my favorite modern day band, uh, maybe my favorite band ever. They're just incredible. If you haven't if you haven't heard them, you have to check them out. They're they're something else. But they 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 wrote a song called Overtime, which has this really really cool chord progression that I I just kind of became obsessed with, and I I started coming up with you know just just a kind of a you know a, a different melody over that chord progression just to experiment with it i was playing it on the piano and just kind of really just trying to figure out what they what they had done with their song and i was messing around with the progression a bit and that actually wound up becoming the introduction to the song and i and i thought to myself hmm you know this da, ba, ba, da, ba, ba. And it, because you know the the intro is ba ba dee da, and I was using that as the melody over that chord progression, but then I thought to myself, huh, that could actually work. It's a it's a major sound, and it could work over you know maybe a a, a chord progression of another song that's been written before. And I thought, oh, how high the moon. the most famous contrafact over that is ornithology <laughs> and i was trying to think of a title for it and i was like oh ornithology how high the moon moonithology <laughs> so basically it's written over the chord changes to how high the moon with an introduction from from the band knower over their progression and that's basically how that title came about again not rocket science just you know <laughs> cut and paste <laughs> you know so in terms of the title but uh yeah, that that's that's where the title comes from. And in terms of the song itself, I definitely I kind of had in my mind the sound of George Shearing's quintet. You know that that kind of unison mm. sound with block chords and single lines with with guitar in, in the lower octave, piano and the higher octave, and then and then vibes. Although there's no vibes on the on my record, that's sort of the sound I was going for. And as you. It, and if you listen to the track, it, it stays pretty mellow the whole time. It never never really gets hot. It stays brushes the whole time, which is something that's very characteristic of, of Shearing's quintet. And, and, and also, I guess I was influenced by his recording with, uh, with Wes Montgomery. Uh, so I guess I think it's called the, the George Shearing and, and the Montgomery Brothers uh, Riverside recording. And there's a couple songs on that that had unison lines, and I tried to you know, get a little bit of that vibe into that song. Is it obvious enough uh, on uh, Bent on Monk that it's something having to do with a gentleman by the name of Monk? Well, I yeah, I uh, definitely have a lot of, of Monk in, uh, references in there. Mm-hmm. 
but the, the title of the song, interestingly enough, it, it stems from a story that Jeff Hamilton told me about Alan Broadbent, uh, the great pianist and conductor and composer and arranger, who had gone to see Thelonious Monk play, I believe it was in the late 60s, early 70s, something like that. <laughs> and it's a great, great story. After the concert was over, Alan Broadbent managed to find his way backstage to speak with Monk, one of his heroes, I'm, I'm assuming. I mean, I think anyone who plays jazz music has to give it up and, and, and cite him as, a, as an influence on some, some level. So Broadbent went backstage and he asked Monk, he, he, he said, Mr. Monk, I just, I want to, I want to know what your, what your opinion is on free form jazz. To which Monk replied, first you said free, then you said form. And then he just walked away. <laughs> oh, so something, something, you know, just, you know, Monk was, I mean, I mean, you hear stories about his personality and I feel like that story in so many ways encapsulates that kind of quirkiness that we know Monk for. And, and so that's, that's where the title comes from. Alan Broad bent on Monk. So mm -hmm. bent on Monk. That, <laughs> no, that, it's, it's on. great. I, and it's a great tune. I, as I told you earlier that I had played that on my jazz show uh, this past weekend and <laughs> oh, uh, it, it got a great response. So just a couple left here. What about Billy's dilemma? What kind of dilemma does Billy have? You know, I uh, I wrote that for my friend, who's a dear friend of mine. His name's Will, and he was going through a, ver a very personal thing, that, which I can't really discuss, but it was a dilemma of sorts, and his nickname is Billy. song you know when i was uh actually he's uh, will snyder you know he he has produced uh he he helped produce my last album uh taking it there and he's and he's also producing the uh the newest lineage record the, the trio i mentioned yeah before um so i was at will's place and i just sort of came up for this idea of a of a minor blues with the bridge while i was hanging with him and then i thought to myself oh billy Billy's Dilemma, Billy Boy. So I, I incorporated that classic Red Garland intro that you hear off of Billy Boy, off of Milestones recording. And I kind of took that, the, you know, the, 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 the Billy idea, and I kind of stretched it a bit. If you listen to the shout chorus of the song, it's actually Billy Boy, the melody to Billy Boy, but it's in a, it's in a minor key. Hmm. So I, I just sort of took that, you know, it just one thing leads to another. I'm, I'm a very tangential 
uh, thinker. <laughs> so, you know, initially started with my, my friend and his dilemma and that, you know, which I can't really discuss publicly out of respect for him. And, uh, yeah. And, and then I just kind of took that and, and, and run with and ran with it. So, well, in, in this recording, it's all your compositions and arrangements and did you reach a stage in the session when you were putting this all together uh, to where you looked at the other guys and said, you know what, I'm spent. Let's just play somebody else's tune. Let's do pure imagination. Well, I mean, it didn't, didn't really happen like that. Uh, although I, I may, maybe, you know, it would be a good story if I did say that. <laughs> but uh, I actually wanted to record, initially I wanted to record an album of all ballads before I even had a concept for this recording with with jeff and one of the first things that we thought was like oh pure imagination a la the, the ray brown trio's version of little darlin which has like a four bar introduction of just brushes Jeff and I were just kind of sitting together with with one of our dear friends, who's a, a great bassist named Chuck Neneker, who's you know we just we have great great music hangs with Jeff, uh, Chuck, and I. Jeff and I were kind of thinking and, and brainstorming songs that we could do for this ballad record, and that was one of them. And, and we thought, huh, maybe we could take elements of of this rhythm from you know the arrangement of Little Darlin', which we've actually played a lot together, and Jeff was on that original recording with Ray and then kind of do our own thing rhythmically. So it, it, it was just, it just sort of came about uh, because we, we both loved the song and it just seemed appropriate. Everything on the album for the most part is up tempo and we needed a ballad. So that's kind of how, how that wound up in, in the rotation for the, for the CD. Well, it's a masterful piece of music uh, to begin with, no matter who plays it. And uh, you play it very, very well. Oh, thank you. So thank you. yeah, it was it was fun. It was fun. You know, the 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 actual arrangement itself was penned by Jeff and I. At I think it was like at his dinner table at his at his, at his place. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, we were having having a drink and just sort of come, singing the rhythms together. It has a lot of quarter note triplet figures throughout, and it's and there's some curveballs rhythmically where there, there's you know extensions of of the form. Maybe you know, odd meter measures interspersed within the four-four time. You know, we wanted to do something with with a very well-known standard such as pure imagination and kind of be imaginative with it, <laughs> pun intended. You know, and, and really take it to a different place. Sure. 
Well, the whole album is is fantastic. And let me ask you, Graham, how can people learn more about you and your music? Uh, I know you have a website that, uh, it. correct me if I'm wrong, it's uh, under construction or still being yeah, developed? It, it is, yeah, it's under construction. I think the, the best way to kind of... Uh, stay stay in touch in, in terms of or not stay in touch but to follow what i'm doing is through my instagram i usually post important performances there and just different videos and ideas of i mean that, that's the majority of 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 my so social media presence now is through that medium i mean it's instagram g-r-a-m not g-r-a-h-a-m but uh <laughs> yeah so that's that's mainly where i i post and, and kind of get the word out there but other than that uh yeah, the, the website will be up and running soon. Thank you for your time today. I know it took a while, and I, but I appreciate every minute of it. And you've been a terrific guest of ours, and I oh, truly appreciate you. you being with us here today on All That's Jazz. Oh, I, I appreciate you having me, Alan. It's been it's been really really nice speaking with you, and 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 I'm I'm really glad that that you've enjoyed the album, and and your you know your questions were really fantastic and it was it's been nice to kind of recount some of these uh these times you know in in terms of coming up with the record and and the the concept and all that (laughs) thanks for even considering me i appreciate it thanks for listening to this episode of all that's jazz with jazz guitarist graham dector we'd like to thank ben cedrin for the use of mr p's shuffle as our theme song and visit us again next time for another interesting conversation on all that's jazz if you like today's episode please leave us a five-star rating on the streaming service you use. All That's Jazz is available on every major streaming app, including Podbean, Apple Podcast, and Spotify, as well as Facebook and online at allthatsjazz.net.